0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Hi, Jan Fran here. This is a special final episode of this season of The Pineapple Project. We've been talking all about connection. Because before a global pandemic came along to shake everything up, experts were warning us about another health crisis that was looming. Loneliness. Recently, the ABC ran a huge national survey called Australia Talks and it found loneliness was a big problem. So we gathered together 90 lonely people in Melbourne to kick off this whole conversation. It's where this season started, actually, and it feels like a very fitting way to end it too, by actually humming together. I hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, how are we? Yes, are you lonely? No, kind of. Yes, I am actually. Um, It is so wonderful to see so many of you here today. Um, For those who don't know who I am, uh, my name is Jan Fran. This is The Pineapple Project, uh, the best podcast on the ABC, award-winning podcast, if I do say so myself. Um, But I think a lot of you are here because you may or may not have noticed a flyer somewhere in your neighbourhood that asked, are you lonely? And you went... Uh, yeah, I am. I am a bit lonely. And then you ended up in this fine venue over here because that is what we are going to explore tonight. Loneliness. I guess we're here really to find out what the hell is going on and why that is the case. One third of Australians say that loneliness is somewhat or very much a problem for them. One third. The most lonely group, or the most lonely demographic in Australia... Anyone want to kind of have a, have a random guess at what the loneliest demographic might be? That's right, it's actually 18 to 24-year-olds who are among... who are the most lonely... Um, which is contrary, I think, to what popular belief might be that loneliness is something that happens with older people. So how exactly did we get here? What can we do about it? Why are you here? Are you going to be required to do anything terrifying tonight? The answer to all those questions is yes. (laughs) And we're going to start by actually just gauging the room a little bit. Now, this is a group survey that's going to happen all at the same time. I'm going to ask you some questions and you're just going to stick the answer in the survey for me. As a way of gauging the room, do you know your neighbour's name? Throw in the answers, people. 35% of you don't know a single person who lives next to you. Okay. Here we go. Question number two. Do you know your barista's name? Okay. <laughs> okay. Have you had a night where you wanted to do something fun but you had no one to do it with? Yes, 62% saying yes in the last month, wanting to do something fun. No one to have fun with. Next question. Did you then end up eating ham from a bag and watching Dawson's Creek and or Outlander is... <laughs> I reckon half of the nose are just embarrassed to admit that that is true, that they were watching Dawson's Creek or Outlander. Do you sometimes cancel plans because you can't be... Yeah. <laughs> Alright, here we go. The most poignant of questions for the evening. What it's all really about. Have you ever felt lonely? It's going to be 100% blue, isn't it? That's okay. I think that's a very human condition. And that's really what we're here to talk about. Yes, what can we do about it? Well, fortunately, um, I don't have the answers to those questions, but we've got an expert with us who does. So please join me in welcoming to the stage Michelle Lim. (laughs) Welcome, Michelle. Michelle. Now, Michelle, you are a senior lecturer in clinical psychology at Swinburne University, mm-hmm. but that's, that's not necessarily what qualifies you as a loneliness expert because you also started the Australian Coalition to End
2: Loneliness. Yeah, how are you doing with that? Oh. Look, I think what's happened in recent years is that the impact of loneliness is being recognised because, as you guys know, it's not actually a new issue. Everyone's always felt lonely, and I'm, actually your stats actually show that that's actually a normal feeling, but what we do know is that emerging research is saying that if you are chronically lonely, it's acting almost like a social stress on your body, and that's why it's associated with increased mortality, or morbidity of um, other kind of physical disorders and mental health disorders.
1: Mm. So what actually makes us lonely? Like, let's start there. What what causes loneliness? And
2: yeah. Yeah. Look, loneliness is very similar to hunger and thirst. It is actually built into our system. So all of you are normal. You know, the fact that you say, yep, I felt lonely, is actually a signal. I've never heard loneliness
1: compared to hunger and thirst. Those two feel like these innate... Parts yeah. of us, and so you're saying loneliness is like that
2: as well. Yeah, if you think about how we thrive as uh, humans, you know, we need it to uh, survive uh, in groups. Basically, you know, someone's hunting, and then someone's actually taking care of the, the children. So, um, we did need to rely on groups to actually survive and thrive as a species. So, from an evolutionary evolutionary point of view, um, it's actually no different to the signals that you get when you're hungry. Um, And we do, you know, when we're hungry, we have no trouble eating, you know, and if we're thirsty, we have no trouble drinking. But when we're lonely, a lot of us ignore it. We just completely just blank it because it comes with this connotation of vulnerability. I'm a loser. I shouldn't feel this way. uh, I'm, you know, I have a family. I'm married. Why, why should I feel lonely?
1: Okay, so it's got all these sort of negative connotations Mm -hmm. attached to it, rather than people going, "This is a normal." human emotion just
2: like feeling thirst or feeling hunger well the worst part about um then having this stigma about loneliness is that then you avoid like even though you want to connect your brain's actually sending you these hyper vigilant signals is actually um making you feel more fearful of going into these social situations because you may get rejected Mm. You may actually, um, you know, maybe someone may not acknowledge you. And so then this perpetual cycle of loneliness can actually persist. And when it goes on for a very long time, that's where, you know, our physical health suffers. Because yeah. it's processing the brain as a social stress. Yeah. Um, it sends off all your stress hormones, um, you know, and, and that's where all the problems come.
1: What What is the answer to kind of combating Loneliness, And they're probably, I mean, I'm sure that there wouldn't be just one blanket
2: answer, but what are some of the answers to combating it? Yeah, so it is, it's not one size fits all. So, you know, I think what's really important is that if you do feel lonely um, and if you're feeling a little bit socially anxious about actually reaching out, just take it step by step. So rather than, you know, if I say to you, go make a new friend, I think it's quite impossible for most people. You know, it's like making a new friend is huge. Yeah.
1: Can you imagine just like asking a stranger, hey, you want to be my friend? <laughs> Is there an element of vulnerability here of needing to maybe do something outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. um, in order to kind of have meaningful conversations
2: with people? Yeah, Well, that's definitely supported by science because when we look at the brains of lonely people, it is showing this hypervigilance of threat. And they, when they're in that situation, they have to be vulnerable. And, and it's a hard thing for a lot of people. I know you know, for most of us it's probably not that difficult but for many people it's incredibly hard to even say something about themselves mm. um, or even telling a work colleague of what they're doing after hours. That That's quite hard for some people and those kinds of things take time and so it could be sharing things that are not, um, I would say not costly so it wouldn't really hurt for someone to know, oh, I bought a new puppy. You know, that's fine, you know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, something much deeper.
1: Yeah. Do you have uh, any tips for the audience tonight? If either they're feeling lonely or they know someone who they think Mm. might be lonely, like what are your tips there moving forward?
2: Big tip, don't do a soft ask. Lonely people always go, oh, do you have time? Oh, I don't want to be a burden. But if you're busy, don't worry about it. But if you're really, really feeling like you need that social company, actually express that out because... Um, it's really important for people to know. You know, and often that soft ass of Oh, you know, if you're busy, don't worry about it. That doesn't fly with people and most people bet, like, Oh yeah, so I'm not gonna prioritize you. Mm-hmm. You have every right to actually say, Oh, I need some company and is this you know, it can you know, can I actually connect with you, basically, not in that, that way, but actually asking for those uh, that that sort of more meaningful interaction. Mm. Second tip is um, shared interest groups are great, but there are people who do shared interest groups and stay back. So uh, what I would really say is um, it might be a bit much for some people and for other people maybe not, but if you do go to shared interest groups, try to kind of relate to each other um, in more meaningful ways over time as well. So there are a lot of people who do do groups and they sit back and they don't they don't actually share anything about themselves. Mm. Um, that um, and that doesn't actually build intimacy at all. Third tip I would say is that understanding that relationships are dynamic, but it's also a give and take. So um, relationships or friendships are hard they're really really hard and they're hard work it takes time it takes effort and often I hear young people for example who would say oh it should be easy they should just be my friend but actually it's not and so every little effort makes a difference and sometimes it can be quite tiring for the lonely person it's like oh not again I'm gonna get a rejection again it's okay you just haven't found your people Mm. Right? So it's about finding the right people, finding your tribe, and just not getting disappointed and just kind of, um, you know, keep going, basically. Give yourself a chance rather than avoid.
1: Mm. Okay. One takeaway for tonight for the crowd. What, what would you want that one takeaway to be?
2: I think the one takeaway is that we can all make a difference. So if you're not lonely now, you will be at some point. And I know I'm going to have some <laughs> bit of that, but. There's Wait a a, there, we have that's a, a comedian. Bad Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. I think what's important is that don't think that it won't happen to you. Basically, but you can do things about it, and actually being aware—that's that's pretty much what it is. Is that oh, I'm lonely. Oh, I'm going to try to reach out, and I'm going to actively reach out, and I'm going to put these things in place. Um, and not just kind of fall into that cycle. So it's very easy to fall into this vicious cycle and start kind of getting really avoidant of people. Um, And once you start actually being physically avoidant of people, then that's really hard to actually get those meaningful connections.
1: Yeah, fantastic. I think that's a really great takeaway. Mm -hmm. Please thank Dr. Michelle Lamb. (laughs) Um, I guess the The takeaway from that is that aspect of vulnerability and of not just joining shared interest groups but actually being able to bring something to the table if and when you join a shared interest group. Um, Speaking of shared interest groups... A lot of us find community in clubs, right? The biggest clubs in Australia, it won't surprise you to know, are sporting clubs. So it's something like 60%, I think, of Australians are part of a sporting club. If you, if you are not particularly inclined to play sports, there's things like books, there's gaming. I've got here there's synchronised swimming. Or there's just sort of clubs that you can have with your friends, right? Like the, the Netflix and, and chill type situation.
3: <laughs>
1: That's not what I meant. <laughs> I actually just meant literally watching Netflix and chilling. What I'm trying to say in a very bad way is that you essentially need to find something that you love doing. And then you need to find the people who love doing that thing as well. And you need to spend... It's not a euphemism! But the person that we're about to meet next sort of did that. Uh, basically started an organisation because she thought, here is something that I absolutely love and I want to find the people who love it as much as I do. Please join me in welcoming our next guest, Vicky. Hello Vicky, how are you? I'm good. (laughs) Welcome. Thanks.
3: Tell us a little bit about the club that you started and why you started it. So I started a glee club uh, 14 years ago now. Uh, It's because I was working as, oh I still am working as a musician and people would say to me all the time, oh I love, I love singing at school, I'd love to still be doing it but I can't join a choir. I'm too busy, I've got too many commitments, they want me to come every week and they want me to wear closed-toed shoes and these awful choir robes and I'm not doing it. (laughs) That was a clincher. They're (laughs) like, no closed-toed shoes. (laughs) No way am I putting them on. And when I go and try and join a choir, I sort of feel like that isn't quite my tribe. I haven't found my tribe there. So I was like, I think there's a way to do this group singing thing in a way where there's no barriers to participation and where everyone can just kind of do themselves. I think our like byline should be, you do you. So you don't have to come every week. You just rock up when you feel like a sing. We're at a bar so you can have a drink at the same time. Uh, you don't have to know if you're an alto or a soprano or a tenor or a baritone. There's no chance of me making you sing a solo. You're just coming for an hour of a group sing that will make you feel good and then you can go back to living your life. So it's a way of bringing singing back into people's lives without having to be this huge commitment and another burden or pressure. Like to actually just reconnect with that thing that I fundamentally love, which is just having a sing and making sound together. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And we don't even have to finish things. We just make music for fun. So that's actually been the, the thing that I've sort of discovered from it. Yeah. Mm. What sort of people would you say come to your glee club? Oh, it is so diverse, like terrifyingly diverse. Terrifyingly so diverse. Terrifyingly diverse. But like, <laughs> like there's mean? no answer. Like sometimes there's a huge age range. I was just saying at the moment in uh, in one of our groups, we have a lot of healthcare workers. We've got a lot of n- nurses and doctors because they have shift work. And so they want to do this, but they can't come all the time to acquire so we have a lot of people with really busy lives quite a lot of people with young families like I can't do this every week but I'd love to be just every now and then get out of the house and have a sing and just do something that's just for me Mm. Um, so it's really interesting how many people do it some people do it as a way to catch up with people so we've got um, a daughter and a dad you know she's in her 20s He's not. And um, it's there <laughs> obviously... Well, you bloody hope so. And um, they use it as their catch-up every week oh, or when they can. Lovely. So it's their way of, like, catching up with each other. Yeah. Um, and old friends, you know, use it as a way to catch up. But heaps of people just come on their own for a sing. And do
1: you think it's had an effect on the community? Like, have there been friendship formed? Well, it's
3: funny Joy, because one of the things when I started it was I'm not going to do that thing that sometimes happens in choirs where at the when you join you have to stand up and say your name and say why you're there because for me that would just, I'd be straight out the door yes. <laughs> when it got to my turn. So, I was like, we're not doing that. I'm not going to even do name tags and shoes. People can just come. But what happens is people do organically kind of find each other. And I think because they're the sort of people who want to do something like this, all these tribes and communities form within it. Um, A little bit through social media as well. We've got a really active Facebook page. So a lot of them will go to the theatre together or say, I saw this gig and I'd really like to go to this gig. Mm. Does anyone want to go? So you get these really lovely kind of... this lovely web of connections coming through it. People sort of find their tribe through it. I never... Thought I was fostering that. That wasn't part of my. That wasn't
1: the intention. It, it wasn't my
3: intention, and I'm absolutely thrilled that it's the outcome.
1: Great. Yeah. Um, well, we happen, just totally coincidentally, um, to have a keyboard oh, over here. Um, oh, where did that <laughs> keyboard come from, Vicky? Should I walk over it? I reckon okay. you should walk over and, um, and, and, and maybe see if you can teach me or teach the um, audience a song. Is there a song? That I you think can?
3: everyone. You're, you're up for that? It'll make you feel good. Singing together makes you feel good. You release lots of endorphins, and also, I promise not make you sing on your own, and you can't sing any wrong notes. It really, it's so fine. So we've been okay. Hi, yeah, me again.
1: Um, I just have to describe to you what happened here because, for copyright reasons, we can't actually play it to you. It's literally one of those oh my god, you had to be there moments. So Vicky teaches the audience a couple of simple lines of a song. Everyone is nervous, but they're getting into it. And then, just as she starts the actual song, boom. Suddenly, out of nowhere, her real-life glee club, who we had hidden, sprinkled in the audience, all spring up and turn around together and belt out this song. It was wild. Okay, back to the show. Thank you so much to our flash mob glee clubbers over here and thank you so much to Vicky for putting that song together like it was like we just came up with it. So good. Um, for those who might not necessarily think that singing is their thing, uh, who can't hit the high notes, who can't hit the low notes, it's it's not your vibe, that's okay too. This next bit of the show we might have the answer for you. One of the things that came out of this survey and something that we know in general is the way that pets can actually reduce loneliness. Um, so we sort of, we wanted to highlight that in, in a particular way and I just, I put a post on my Facebook page. I don't know if anybody follows me on Facebook. Does anybody here follow me on Facebook? Seriously? <laughs> Did you guys happen to see the post that I popped up on Facebook just asking people if they have any stories about their pets and the way that their pets have helped them feel less lonely? And I thought I was going to get maybe 20, 30, 100 responses at most. I think I got something like 400 responses of people posting pictures of themselves with their pets and just telling me these amazing stories of how much less lonely just having a pet and when I say pets I mean pets like there were chickens in this thing you know and so we thought that it would only be fair and right and just for us to pay a tribute to the pets of Australia my cat Atticus helped me heal from trauma and become a better person Orlando I was battling some shitty mental health issues when I fostered Tilly Loneliness cured. I found my BFF. From Lace. My dog Colin saved my life. He gives me an extra reason to get up each day. Kimberly. Blaze got me out of bed, kept me moving, and brought a smile to my face every damn day. Alexandra. After not being able to conceive a baby... Beans the dog changed our life. Completely and absolutely. Katie. I got Norman the day after my first miscarriage. He helped me heal. Olivia. After losing my mum to cancer, Ghetto entered my life when I needed him the most. Hannah. I'm autistic and people can be really hard. When I'm alone, I'm always with bagel. Nadia. Isn't that just bloody adorable? How beautiful was that? And I know that some of you are probably sitting here thinking, well, Jan, I don't have a cavoodle. What can I possibly do? And I say, my friends, you don't have to have dogs because we've brought the dogs To you! Yes! Please welcome from the guide dogs of Victoria, Rafa and Monty. Come on up to the stage. It's like they're little flower girls and flower boys at a wedding that are just, and they're just fucking up the walk. Hello, doggies! Adorable. Hello, darling. Hello, baby. Yes. Please give the doggies a round of applause. They're beautiful. We are almost, actually, at the end of the evening. Um, I think we've we've learned a little bit about being vulnerable, about building on conversations, um, about maybe taking a risk, buying a dog. Who knows? <laughs> um. But there is something else that we might not have considered yet in all of this, and that is the fact that it doesn't just get done on its own. And I think that we all probably know that one person in our lives who's constantly organising and constantly trying to set people up and is constantly the one in the WhatsApp thread trying to get the times and the dates for everybody's availability for the weekend away, and it's a nightmare. Aside from just paying tribute to that person in our hearts, because they're very, very important, we've actually got a representative of the I do everything for my friends community. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's comedian Kirsty Webbeck. I'm going to invite her to the stage in a second. She's got a bit of a presentation for you on what it takes to be this person and why you might need to listen to them. So please help me in welcoming Kirsty Webbeck to the stage. (laughs)
0: Thanks. Thank you. I haven't gotten over the dogs. I'm overwhelmed. So this is me. Um, so I'm a stand-up comedian and a compulsive activity organiser. Give me a woo if this is you. Yeah, very good. We're, we're rife. We're out and about. Of course we are. Um, so this is the community at large. And uh, the community at large is well-meaning, busy people who have been lured into a culture of overcommitting and subsequently ghosting on activities or cancelling at the 11th hour as their schedule is too full. This is for all of you little shits who answered on the survey at the beginning that you bail on plans because you can't be <laughs> f-. Think about me. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm giving you the life cycle of an event. What happens is I come up with a great idea, right? On this occasion, it's a social cricket match. I've decided to have a social cricket match with my group of friends, which is the gayest thing I've ever said in public. (laughs) So, um, this is what happens, right, is is I send out the invitation. I organise the social cricket competition. I send out the invitation and we think text messages, Facebook, like Instagram DMs, whatever, like everyone comes. So I have an excellent idea and I've galvanised fun for the very fun activity, right, or VFA for short. (laughs) Now, I I receive floods of messages, right, from everyone. Like, that's the best idea, Kirsty. We love it. We can't wait. We love cricket. Oh, my God, you're a genius. This is going to change our lives. See you there. Um, I'll bring the fondue, right? What the f*** is fondue? Like, (laughs) what's she doing bringing fondue to a cricket match? (laughs) Now, as the event draws nearer, right, then I have been conditioned to wait for floods of messages backing out of the VFA. Right? I'm seeing a few heads nodding from the organisers in there. On the day of the VFA, three people show up out of the 15,437 who said they were attending, right? Sorry, I God, I thought it was next week. I'm hungover. It's too hot. Babe, I can't make it. <laughs> Kanye's about to drop a new album. It's too cold. Where am I? <laughs> Sound familiar? This is not a blame thing, OK? I just want you to... I know I've been very aggressive... <laughs> Well, we can't play cricket anymore, but thank God Jody brought fondue. <laughs> it's not going to go well in this uh, oval environment, but here we go. This isn't a call-out. Um, even I've been guilty of these crimes, sometimes even I, CBF, right? Believe it or not, a little go-getter like me staying at home... <laughs> <laughs> we <We're, laughs> it's true, we're busy people, we're stressed people, we can be forgetful people, we can think today that we love cricket and remember on Friday we hate it. <laughs> we can be those annoying people that flick through every event on Facebook and click going, not thinking that people like me are going, yes, we've got enough for two teams. <laughs> Kramsky Festival in Kalgoorlie, hell yeah! Where's Kalgoorlie? Never mind, I'm vegetarian. I can't eat Kranskys. (laughs) We all know those people. (laughs) We all know them. Um, I've got some ideas. um, Because it's okay, it's okay not to want to go. Right, but I've got some ideas for you in the future if you don't want to attend something or even even if you um, have a think about it before you say that you're going to attend something, right? So next time you think you might want to bail out on one of Jan Fran's famous Netflix and chill nights... (laughs) Um, (laughs) <laughs> Jambrand saying, no one bails out on those. <laughs> not on your watch. Here are some things you can do. You can um, read Facebook events before you say that you're attending. Um, we can be realistic about our time, right? You don't have to say yes to everything. You can actually have a think about your week and go, oh, wait up, I'm really busy. Maybe a nine-hour game of cricket's not for me this week. <laughs> It's also good to remember how fun socialising can be. You know those nights where you're like, I can't be bothered, I'm not going to that thing, and then you go, wait up, I might enjoy it. And then you go and you have the best night of your life. Remember those. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your friends. Be honest with event organisers like me. (laughs) Think of me. (laughs) Next time you go to go, think of me. (laughs) plan don't this is me the, I do this all the time don't say yes to a Sunday morning fun run at 6am if we know we're going to Oktoberfest the night before <laughs> like this is always me I'm like why would I want to go for a run <laughs> and remember that your friends are excited to see you right like I'm excited to see my friends so when they bail on me I'm very upset Jan Fran's super excited to have people to Netflix and chill with when they don't go over she's very upset <laughs> and ditch the guilt A no is better than a no-show, right? So, um, with all of that in mind, happy socialising or happy not socialising. You be the judge. Thank you. I'm Kirsty Wiebeck.
1: Thank you, Kirsty. All right, well, that almost wraps up our evening. I kind of just want to bring home some of the key points that we've sort of skimmed across the hour... I could be wrong, these are kind of my takeaways. One, you do have to be a little bit vulnerable. You might have to put yourself in a position that you might not necessarily feel comfortable about doing. Two, to overcome loneliness, maybe there is a little bit of risk involved in doing something that you haven't necessarily done or building on a friendship that you might have at work but exists only in the very early stages. And to understand that it kind of takes a bit of time and it takes a bit of effort to build. Three, that loneliness is part of the human condition as much as what thirst and hunger are. And we tend not to see it that way. We're very, very happy to deal with our thirst and our hunger we're not as happy to tackle our loneliness and maybe we just need to recalibrate why that is in our head. Um, three, you have to buy a dog. Um, <laughs> uh, and four, don't cancel on your Kirstie. Everyone has a Kirstie. Um, don't cancel. I think what you said there about a no is better than a no show, that's probably the takeaway. There is one last thing. So you've got little envelopes in your hands and they were the envelopes that you picked up walking in, Yeah these envelopes are essentially conversation starters, right? So I want you to open the envelope. I want you to see what your conversation starter is. Can somebody read, read a few out to me? Ma'am, what's your conversation starter? What is, you're with? what is something you're obsessed with? Okay, that's a good one. I'm not going to put you on the spot there, but... Maybe outside, have a conversation with the people around you, and kind of just ask them the questions that you find on your envelope. Who else has got a question? What, what's what's on your envelope? When you were growing up, what was your dream job? When you were growing up, what was your dream job? Mm-hmm. See how often do you ask somebody that question? What else have we got? What have we got over here? Do we have any questions over here? What is your biggest regret? Oh, what is your biggest regret? Do you want to share that one with us, ma'am? What's your biggest regret? <laughs> <laughs> no, what else have we got? What's your biggest... Re- I like that one. What is? If
0: you knew you only had a year to live, how would you spend the next
1: 12 months? Oh, for those who didn't hear that, if you knew you only had a year to live, how would you spend the next 12 months? That is heavy. All right, one more. Who have we got? In what ways might you be a difficult person to work with? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I really like that. In what ways might you be a difficult person to work with? or work for. Is anyone a difficult person to work with? Oh, you are? You can't even put out their hand.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: what else we got? Somewhere over here. Do we have one? What
0: is your biggest
1: fear? What is your biggest fear? That's a classic. Last one. Absolute last one. Who's got one? What
0: makes you jealous?
1: What makes you jealous? The point that I'm trying to make with getting you all to read out these questions is that to actually answer them, you have to be a little bit vulnerable. You have to think a little bit about what scares you. You do have to actually ask yourselves the difficult questions of... Am I difficult to work with? What would I do if I just had a year? And in answering those questions, I think you show an element of yourself to someone else. So vulnerability and just, I think, being prepared to kind of go there are the building blocks of relationships and friendships and ultimately what is going to make us all less lonely. So I would take those cards and those questions. And if you don't ask somebody outside today, that's okay. Ask someone in your life at some point, at a party, at a coffee, when you're just hanging about, do it with your partner. Um, And it can really be a way of kind of opening up and fostering those relationships. That is it for the evening from us tonight. Um, Thank you so much to all of you for being here. I really hope that you enjoyed the evening. Um, I did. I love the dogs. I love Kirsty. Michelle was great. Vicky and the Glee Club, amazing. All of the stats and facts that we kind of found out. So thank you to all who made the show as successful as what it has been. Thanks, everybody. So that's it for this season. I hope you learned a thing or two. And if you did, I'd love you to share this podcast with someone in your life. The best way to spread the word about podcasts is word of mouth. So once you get those deep and vulnerable conversation starters out of the way, you can always say, hey, by the way, I heard about this on a great podcast. Then take their phone and subscribe them to the show. That's how it works, see? The next time we have a live show, I would love to see you there. I'm Jan Fran and this has been The Pineapple Project, The C Word. This live show was produced by Monique Bowley with Carla Arnold and Rachel Fountain. Our sound engineers were Brendan O'Neill, Chrissy Miltiadu and Matthew Crawford. Special thanks to Madison Kemphill-Kingston, Alex Lollback, Natasha Banks and the team behind Australia Talks and Guide Dogs Victoria. The head of ABC Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. Looking for something to listen to next? been inspired to go make a new friend or two, I have just the thing. It's a brilliant podcast episode from the team at Ladies We Need to Talk. It's all about how to find new friends as an adult. I think our friendship was cemented when I cried in a taxi on the way home from Parliament House we'd, we'd flown from Canberra I was drunk, obviously. <laughs> It's a long, it sounds like, why are we in a cab on the way home from Parliament House? It's too long to explain, but nothing bad. Nothing bad happened, we were there. We were very good. But it was tired and I was, I I just felt a bit lonely and I didn't know who to turn to and I remember sitting in the cab and telling you about my woes and, and Zan was just there for me and it was like, yep,
3: she's my mate.
1: It has tips, advice. And, of course, that trademark Yumi Stein's honesty. There's a
3: real rawness to admitting that you're
1: lonely. Like, it's a
3: really hard thing to say, isn't and it? you're having a hard time.
1: That's when you realise, that's when you really assess the kind of friends that you've got. Because yeah. that's all you've got. Find it in the Ladies We Need To Talk podcast feed in ABC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.